The following program is presented to you by the New York State School Boards Association. NISBA's President's Gavel Podcast is supported by the Harris Beach Educational Institution's team of attorneys. Harris Beach successfully represents more than 130 school districts and BOCES clients throughout New York State on matters involving school district operations, labor and employment matters, cybersecurity, and student issues. Learn more at www.harrisbeach.com. July is almost here. Boards of Education are preparing for their annual reorganization meetings, and soon they will elect their board presidents. In this episode of the President's Gavel, Darcy, Jamie, and Mark discuss important qualities for board members to consider come election time. You will learn why these qualities are important, how your board can benefit from electing a president that exhibits these qualities, and when these qualities can be applied to the duties and responsibilities of the board president before, during, and after every board meeting. All this and more, stay with us. Let's call this meeting to order. Hello, everyone. Welcome to NISBA's President's Gavel Podcast, a podcast for all school board members. I'm your host, Darcy Dercoli, Director of Leadership Development at the New York State School Boards Association. And today we're talking about the important qualities of the school board president. My guests today are my colleagues, Jamie McPherson, Deputy Director of Leadership Development, and Mark Schneider, our Senior Leadership Development Manager. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you, Darcy, for having us. Yes, thank you. Happy to be here. As the calendar turns to July, boards of education will be preparing for their reorganization meetings. For some, these may seem like a formality, but there are very important things happening in these meetings, including newly elected board members officially taking their seats on the board and reciting the oath of office. Decisions relating to the organizational structure of the district, such as the appointment of staff and responsibilities and the election of board officers. It is this last point that is the focus of our discussion today. So let's get right to it. The election of board officers is a process that inspires many questions from our board members. While the process is locally determined through policy, why don't we begin by sharing some of the best practices and recommendations for holding an election for board officers? So Jamie, Mark, what are your thoughts on this? You know, this is a topic where we do get a lot of questions from board members. Ultimately, you need to have a process in place for electing your officers. And the process within itself should be very transparent so it doesn't lead to any contentious or strained relationships on the board. First, what we recommend is that the meeting prior to the reorganization meeting have folks who are interested in becoming board president or vice president make their nomination. That way they can also talk about, here are the qualities that I would bring to the table. This is my leadership style. This is why I would make a great uh, board president. Now, the other thing too is obviously by the time your reorganization meeting comes around, you're gonna have new school board members there. And they're kind of like deer in headlights at the, at the first meeting to some degree. Right. So hopefully they're going to attend the meeting prior. That way they can get a sense of who those members are that are vying for a position on the board in order to become a board officer. The other thing too that we recommend is a little bit of campaigning. And I go back to what I said a second ago, 
really helping the board understand why you want the position, what qualities and qualifications you have, your leadership style, and how you intend to really make that board to be a cohesive unit. That should also be expressed before the vote happens. The other thing too is that as much as we would like to have a secret ballot so we don't hurt feelings on the board, unfortunately, that would be in violation of the open meetings law. So when you do take the vote, just make sure that you're doing it in public and each person is voting. Thank you, Jamie. I think all those are great tips. And Mark, would you have any other thoughts about this process? Well, the board presidents and vice presidents, uh, they, they have no extra authority on the board or in the district. They have no more power. I, I often say their vote doesn't count for more, um, but they have many more responsibilities. And it used to be very difficult for boards to find people who are willing to fulfill those seats and those positions. But, and now uh, it seems like more and more people are, are interested in being a part of the leadership team uh, on, the, on the board. And... And Jamie mentioned, you know, having our candidates focus on what makes them the best uh, person for that position. And one of the things that, that I, I like to tell those who are interested in the position, because campaigns are what they are, is to make sure that we're not also focusing on why you are a better choice than someone else. Any of that negative campaigning that could take place could uh, have a lingering effect on the ability of the board to work cohesively and collaboratively. And of course, all of the nominations, the process, the voting, that all occurs at the reorganization meeting. And so even though in that meeting prior, we are announcing our interest in, our interest in becoming uh, a part of that leadership team, uh, the official nominations aren't going to take place until the reorganization meeting. Right, exactly. Um... I think it's important that we don't have secret ballots. I think that you're right. We want to make sure board members interested in running for an officer position have as much transparency as possible. We know that sometimes um, secrecy can lead to mistrust among board members and there are more than one board uh, that I've heard where the actual election of board officers has caused a great deal of mistrust between board members post the election of officers and they have had to take quite a bit of time out to try to resolve those uh, feelings of mistrust. So the best practices on announcing it before you actually get to the reorganizational meeting, saying why you think you're a good candidate, etc. Um, I could not agree with you more. So it was mentioned that the board president and vice president have no more authority on the board or in the district, but they may have many more responsibilities. And these responsibilities are numerous and not limited to what is seen at the board meeting. The board president must perform before, during, and after the meeting to keep the board informed and functioning at an optimal level. So let's start before the meeting. Prior to the board meeting, the president participates in the agenda planning meeting with the superintendent, ensures that all board members have the necessary information to make informed decisions, responds to inquiries from stakeholders and the media, and serves as a liaison between the superintendent and the board. With all these pregame responsibilities, what are some of the qualities or strengths we should look for when electing our board president? Mark, how about you take this question for us? 
Darcy, you mentioned uh, all of the things that the board president does prior to the board meeting. And uh, with all of that in consideration, it's very important that our board president be uh, very well organized. Uh, there are meetings, there's phone calls and Zoom calls. Uh, the board president is having conversations with individual board members, ensuring that all of the necessary information for the meeting has been communicated. And so we need our board president to be very well organized uh, and have an organizational plan in place to ensure that nothing is missed and nothing is overlooked. And speaking of that information, we need our, our board president to be a very effective communicator. And this includes understanding how individual board members uh, prefer to receive their communication. Is it an email? Is it a phone call? Is it a text message? And being comfortable to, uh, to relay messages in those manners. Uh, in, in addition to sharing that information out, the board president has to be a good listener. And, and part of good communication is being a good listener uh, so that they are able to fully understand the message that they are receiving uh, from the board and, and communicate that with the superintendent, for example, if necessary. And then also we need our, our board president to be unbiased. Uh, our, our president speaks on behalf of the board and they can't allow their personal biases or assumptions to become the official message of the board. So our board president is going to be the, the spokesperson of the board in the media or uh, with, with other uh, agencies and they can't allow their personal uh, agenda to become the board agenda. They have to speak, of, of course, on behalf of the board in accordance with the board's wishes. Mark, those are excellent points that you brought up. And we talked about trust a little while ago, and that's an important aspect of a role of the board president is to establish and help maintain that trust. Part of the responsibility of the board president is going to be to set the agenda in collaboration with the superintendent. And you want that process to be very transparent where you have good communication lines and processes in place. So individual board members and what they would like to see be put on the agenda, you have a process for that, but in the agenda setting process to ensure that the voices of those individual members are being heard, but then in turn making sure that after those types of meetings, information is disseminated. So you have a very clear process. So nobody thinks that the board president and superintendent are working behind closed doors and doing something nefarious in some capacity. And through those open lines of communication, you're really gonna help solidify that trust that is so essential for that governance team to work at an optimal level. Absolutely, Jamie. And we know that's such an essential ingredient for the board to perform well. But in addition, we also see the public sees the president in action during meetings where their responsibilities include things like running an effective meeting and following and enforcing boards agreed upon norms and rules, policies and procedures, including parliamentary procedures, and public comment communicating rather with stakeholders and the board. As we consider these kinds of in-game duties, can you think of any qualities or strengths we can attach to these responsibilities? Yeah, you know, and I go back to what I mentioned a minute ago, and that's about operating procedures. And, and you know, operating procedures are an extension of policy. 
And when you look at how your board meetings are being carried out, a lot of times those operating procedures in conjunction with parliamentary procedures is going to allow those meetings to be very effective and efficient. And so you really need to understand, number one, that the board president's job is to keep that meeting on track, following the agenda, making sure that it's run in a very professional manner. And so you do need to understand those parliamentary procedures and agreed upon norms for your board meeting in order to really flow the way that it should be. And then, you know, you need to have a lot of patience as a board president, because part of your job not only is to be responsive to the public and what they're looking for in terms of your meeting, but also understand that you have a group of individuals that are serving as a collective governance body. And when it comes time for deliberations, patience is going to be key. Now, part of the response, part of the operating procedures that we recommend is sort of having a time limit for individual board members to express their thoughts, their ideas and opinions. You really want to have an inclusive environment. There are going to be times where you need to build consensus around those, uh, the, the, those certain areas that you are then going to pass a resolution on. So part of the board president's job is to listen to people, to really understand what is it that they're articulating. You want to make sure that periodically you have the ability to summarize the various points of view that are in the room and have that ability to move the board into consensus. People work best when they feel like they're listened to and that they're valued. And the board president really needs to help create that type of environment. And that's a key ingredient to helping the board move into that collective arena. Thank you, Jamie. And Mark, have you seen some of our board pre presidents struggle with this as well? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, this, uh, it, it, as we work through our different workshops and our, our different conversations with board presidents, this is where we get many of our questions. How do I maintain a functioning, effective meeting that doesn't go off the rails, uh, a meeting in which uh, one or two board members are not monopolizing uh, the, the time that they are afforded. And uh, as Jamie mentioned, the secret sauce really lies in establishing those operating procedures, those norms, uh, those policies that impact the, uh, the board meeting itself so that everyone is clear and in line with what the expectations are. And one of the recommendations that I give all the time to our board presidents is uh, sit down with the board and collectively create those norms and those procedures so that everyone has a voice and everyone has a say. And ultimately, everyone can agree that these are the things that are most important to having uh, an effective meeting in our district. Yeah, I would say, you need to be assertive in the sense that you're conducting a meeting and that's part of your responsibility. And I'll move it into the arena of public comment. You need to have somebody that if you have members of the public who are being unruly or come up during public comment and they're violating school policy, that that board president has the ability to immediately step in and regain order of that meeting in a, in a professional manner. Absolutely. And we all know the president's work is not done once the meeting ends. Post-meeting, the president needs to ensure that the necessary follow-up has been assigned to the superintendent, if applicable, that the minutes have been recorded in accordance with the legal requirements, that any conflicts on the board are mediated, and that the board's scheduled responsibilities, such as onboarding new members, goal setting, professional development, and board retreats, or the superintendent's evaluation, and the board's self-evaluation, et cetera, are all on track in accordance with the will of the board. 
that sounds like a lot, and it is, but besides some qualities that were already mentioned, such as organization and communication, we're looking to see what else should the board look for when considering all of these responsibilities. And I'm wondering if either of you have any thoughts on that. Uh, sure, and, and I think for me, um, one of the most important things for our board president to be is a very positive representative of the board and of the district. Because we have to remember the board president is the voice of the board in the community and with the media. For our new members, the president will likely be the first person that will welcome and introduce them to board service, uh, and they will lead the onboarding process. And so we, at all times, we want our president to be able to conduct themselves in a manner that puts the board and the district in a positive light. The last thing we want is for our president to be a distraction or our president to be on the front page of the newspaper for all the wrong reasons. Uh, another thing that uh, I think we need to look for in our board presidents is, is someone who can be impartial. And I, and I chose those words specifically, can be impartial, because we know that everyone comes with their personal biases. Um, but anytime there's a conflict between board members or a conflict between uh, the board and the superintendent, the board president is the one who's responsible for ensuring that this conflict is successfully mediated and the board work, board work can continue uh, without interruption. Uh, the president must be careful to not take sides uh, or otherwise issue favor for one member over another, because if we're not impartial in those situations, uh, it can lead to an even greater rift on the board and ultimately board dysfunction in which some people believe that their voices aren't going to be heard, that they are not uh, a, an equal member of the governing body. And so there's so many things that take place or could take place uh, after the meeting. And, and Darcy, you mentioned uh, many of them. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go back to all of the above for what we're looking for. Uh, and for annual items such as the superintendent's evaluation, or the board self-evaluation. We need a president who can ensure that everyone has been trained on the instrument and the process, someone who understands the rationale for each because they're going to get those questions uh, related to why we're doing this. Uh, this takes communication, this takes organization, this takes an ability to instruct and, and lead. Uh, the president's also going to need to communicate with the board to determine any professional development needs and then schedule the board uh, retreats or other opportunities for professional development. And so our board president needs to have those communication, those organizational uh, uh, skills in place while being impartial, while being unbiased and, and ensuring that everyone on the board is, has an equal voice and an equal say and an equal opportunity to participate. You know, Mark, that last piece, I really liked how you phrased that because one of the things that I think is important to understand is that Although the board president's job is to facilitate the business meeting, the job is to run those effective deliberations, to be listening, they also have an equal voice at the table. And that's sort of a delicate balance. And a lot of new board presidents sort of struggle to understand how can I articulate my point of view without having it seem like I'm you know, asserting myself onto the board and directing those decisions. And that's sort of a learning curve for a lot of new board presidents. But after a while, they get the hang of it. They understand that they're allowed to voice their thoughts, their opinions, but also to be open-minded and receptive 
to the other collective voices on the board and then working collaboratively toward those decisions that are truly in the best interest of all students in the district at large. Absolutely, Jamie. And from everything that you and Mark have shared, the board's president's job is a big job. And there's more to it than we actually think of it when we first consider perhaps running to be the board president or even the vice president. So when you're thinking about what does it take to be a board president or vice president, or when you're thinking about electing your next board president or vice president, we want you to consider these five takeaways. So let me go through these five takeaways as we close here today. When selecting your next board president, it's important to base your decision on the requisite skills for the position. Two, the president's responsibilities are not limited to what is seen at the board meeting. There are many tasks that are required both before and after the meeting. And three, the board president needs to be an impartial communicator who will work to ensure that all voices are heard and all perspectives are representative. Four, the president must be able to remain calm in difficult situations and conduct themselves in a manner consistent with the board and district values. And finally, the president must be very well organized and able to juggle several different responsibilities all at once. So in close today, I wish you all a good election for your board officers. And thank you, Jamie and Mark, for joining me today. Thank you, Darcy. This was a pleasure. Yes, thank you, Darcy. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, check out today's show notes for additional resources. Also, be sure to check out episode 27 of the President's Gavel, in which we further discuss what to consider when electing your school board president. And if you enjoyed today's episode or find yourself tuning in each month, head over to NISBA's Facebook or Twitter and show us your support by giving us a like. Have a topic or idea for us? Email us at gavel at nisba.org. And this meeting is now adjourned. I would also like to thank my NISBA colleagues working behind the scenes, making it possible to bring this podcast to you. Thank you, Megan DeGennaro, Al Marlin, and Alyssa Maelo. My name is Darcy Dercoli, Director of Leadership Development at the New York State School Boards Association, and this has been a production of the NISBA's President's Gavel.